Welcome to the Living on Purpose podcast. I am your host, Maudie Wollner, a multiple business owner, life coach, busy mom of three, and curious student of life. This podcast is a place for inspired women to gather. Each week, I will share personal stories, quick inspo, strategies that you can implement right away, and engage in real conversations with badass women who have made the conscious decision to live a life on purpose one that they have intentionally designed and that they now demand. No more allowing our lives to be defined by everyone else. No more putting ourselves on the back burner. No more living in a state of default and never going after our goals or our dreams. We are gonna live our best lives on our terms. Living on purpose is our goal and we're gonna get after it starting right now. Okay, peeps, this is the part of the show that I get to give you a big old virtual hug and thank you for reviewing the podcast, My Labor of Love. These ratings and reviews seriously mean the world to me. This five-star review comes from Yuwa727. Yuwa says, Madi is amazing. Her true-to-life messages are exactly what women need to conquer their busy lives, She is inspiring, entertaining, and just plain fun to follow. Keep up the great work, lady. Thank you so much, Yuwa. I will keep up the work. And this review seriously made my day because delivering fun, easy-to-digest inspiration for busy women has always been my goal for this podcast. So thank you. And I would love to hear what you think of the show. Leave a review and I will make sure to get you a shout out on a future episode. All right. We are live with Demri Rianne Atkinson on the Living on Purpose podcast. This episode has been in the works for a long time. <laughs> this is this actually actually this episode has been in my brain longer than it even took me to ask Demery to be on the episode and then to connect it took a couple months. So I have been so excited chomping at the bit to talk to this amazing beautiful woman and share what she has for gifts with you and everybody else. So uh Demery, I'm going to just ask you to introduce yourself. Just tell us a little bit about your, you know, what you got going on personally, professionally and then I like to know what you're really excited about right now. Okay. Hello, I'm Demory. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Um, so I am an artist. I'm a photographer. Um, I run multiple businesses. I'm multi-passionate. I like to do a lot of things. Um, but I like to say I'm a recovering good girl. And what mm. I mean by that is I came from ministry, I used to work in ministry. And there are some beautiful things about faith and all those things that I still hold on to. But I am now shifting in my personal life and business coming out of a religious lifestyle and healing from that and wanting to empower women and empower business owners through my life and business. Amazing. Okay. So all of my questions are going to stem from that, probably. What do you mean by, I think I understand what you mean, but tell me more about, because when you said recovering, I was not anticipating the fact you were a good girl, which I love that. Let's normalize that to the max. 
What yeah. do you mean? What do you mean by a recovering good girl? Yeah. So I feel like naturally I'm a people pleaser. I'm a serious, emotional person. And so being growing up in a religious household and then working in ministry, I really clung to this idea that I had to be a good Christian, a good daughter, a good friend. And that meant I could never mess up. I didn't have the freedom to express my artistic side. I was just so worried about always making the right decision, being good, being liked, um, taking care of other people above all else. And that became who I was, like my identity was just being good. Yeah. Can you think of a time where, you know, give us an example of where you were good, but your true self was like fighting inside? Oh my goodness. I feel like it lasted like five years of this, but Mm -hmm. I think I tried to get out of ministry. I tried to walk away a few times and because I knew I had anxiety every day. I was depressed. And I was like, there's no way, if our God is good, there's no way this is what he wants for me to feel miserable. But, and I would talk to the leaders and people I worked with and I would say, you know, I just feel like something's wrong. Like I need something different. And they basically told me, well, God isn't telling you that you need to stay where you are. And so I was fighting. I'm like, well, this is what these people that I look up to are saying. Mm-hmm. But I'm so unhappy. And that went on for a couple of years. And I was so depleted, which makes me sad. And then I was bitter at all these things I was a part of. And I just I had to let it go at that point. because I was so unhappy. But yeah, so yeah, I think I always knew deep down, I'm naturally intuitive, but I was holding on to other people's opinions mm-hmm. of my life. And I valued that more than my intuition. Right. What was your role, if you don't mind me asking, in ministry? Yes, there were a few things. But uh, basically, I was in charge of... I was on mission staff. So I was helping spread the mission, spread Mm -hmm. the gospel, bring Mm -hmm. leaders in, uh, Mm -hmm. train leaders, be there for them, mentor them, which I loved. I loved being able to walk with those people and just be a friend to them. But... I didn't feel like I had anyone doing that for me that allowed me to be me. And so that's where I really felt depleted at the end. Yeah. Do you, have you pinpointed what part of ministry it was? So I guess my question is, do you still, are you still a religious person? So I never know how to answer that question. Um, Is there a better way for me to ask you that? No, I mean, that's a good question. So I would say, no, I would not say I'm religious, but I still have a relationship with Jesus outside of the church and outside of Christianity. And I think a lot of Christians would not accept that answer um, because it doesn't quite fit into a box. And that's where I'm trying right now, trying to find the confidence of like, it's okay. It's okay that I don't have a title. Um, I'm spiritual. I believe that God is within all of us and that God is everywhere, but I can't subscribe anymore to this idea that we're all supposed to be one way or think one way or believe the same thing. I just, I think we're all so different for a reason. And so 
no, I'm not religious, but I still believe in a God and have that spirituality within me. What was the first time, you know, can you give us an example of when the light bulb went on, meaning you're doing, you're, you're raised one way, you're being the good girl, you're doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing, you're taking care of all the people and you're pleasing them to the max. And then something must have happened where you're like, oh, that's not right. Was, 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 was there that moment for you? Yeah. And this is just jumping to a different topic a little bit, but, uh, I think my relationship with my body played a big role and, you know, I'm going to be 26. I'm a grown adult and feeling like I felt so much shame for just being a woman, for having curves. And I didn't ever recognize that until I started dating, until I moved to the city, until I was in different situations where... I just felt like I did not own my own body. I felt out of control. And I was like, whoa, there's a lot here. And that made me kind of dig into my past religion and why I felt that way. Yeah. Why do you think it was? What was it about your upbringing in ministry that led to, if I'm hearing you correctly, that led to your own body shame? Yeah. I mean, I was definitely taught or I picked up messages that you know, boys and girls each play different roles, um, that guys are easily tempted, that it's a woman's job to not tempt the guy to dress appropriately, to say the right thing, to whatever it is. And and just little messages too, where maybe not everyone would have picked up on them or taken it to heart. But I think just my personality and who I was, yeah. I took it like straight to heart. And I remember hearing at a camp that if I wore yoga pants, that was sinful. And I was hurting my guy friends by wearing yoga pants. I was an athlete, like that was totally normal. Mm. But I, I believed it. I was like, oh my God, okay, it's my job yeah. to do this. And then it, it didn't allow me to have, to have a voice either. And so when I did start, you know, dating or not dating, just being in the same room as a certain man mm-hmm. and to not have a voice and to just say, okay, I'm dressed appropriately. I've said the right thing. So they must be fine. They must be safe. Got it. And wow. they were not safe. <laughs> and I did all the right things. I was mm-hmm. a good girl, mm-hmm. but I still was put in these terrible positions with guys who hurt me or violated me. So that was a huge wake up call for me that something's not right here. When specifically the comments about the yoga pants opened your eyes to, oh, I'm taking on so much burden. I'm taking on so much responsibility for so many other people. And what I'm choosing to wear is considered sinful. Yeah. And then follow those rules and still get into these terrible situations that were not my fault at all. And then my head was, you know, thinking it is my fault. Maybe I, whatever. And then your head spins. So yeah. So to recap, religion that you were raised in taught you that your body was something to hide and to be ashamed of and to take full ownership of how your body affects other people. Yes, correct. 
And how long did you hold on to those beliefs for? Probably until this year. I mean, wow. a yeah. long time. And I've been slowly working through it, but this is the first year that I have just had so much confidence in what I believe now and moving through that and being empowered in my body and who I am. But yeah, so it took me my whole young adulthood, my whole life. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. What did you tell yourself or what was the mind talk when you're like, you finally realized that everything that you thought you knew was wrong? Oh, that's a good question. And it's a hard thing to go through. Um, Again, probably this year when I fully just like owned that Mm. and I've been fighting it for probably three years. Okay. I started this process three years ago, but this is the first time that I'm confident in where I'm at and what I believe. And what have have been the ramifications for you? I I can't imagine everybody's happy. (laughs) <laughs> a lot. It has been hard. Yeah. Um, I, de- I mean, three years ago, four years ago, I started moving away from friends and setting boundaries. And it wasn't that I was trying to get rid of these people, but I just knew I needed to set boundaries with them. And I started showing more of myself, more of my beliefs. And they got angry. And it was almost like, like I had a role to play in their lives and I was supposed to mentor them. I was supposed to be this good girl that they could go to and that they looked up to. So when I broke free of that, I think they panicked because they didn't have me anymore to do that for them. Right. And so I felt like I lost a lot of friends or, and I'm sure I didn't always communicate everything properly. Some of it I'm sure was me not knowing how to leave that world in a clean way but lost a lot of friends um and there's some people i just know that i can't talk to and i just distance myself because they're just not mentally there to have a good conversation that's first you know expected on both sides so i've just kind of moved away from people and that's been hard because now i'm learning how to make new friends and (laughs) very hard as a 25 year old Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like dating a little bit. So that's a little weird to feel like I don't have a ton of friends right now. But yeah, yeah that's probably the main thing, just losing people and being very lonely in this season right now. So the ramifications, um, you touched on, I let's not like title them as negative, but I think that that the listeners and our initial reaction to losing friends is a negative thought, right? So I don't need to put a label on that as negative. But what I'm curious about is, have there been positive ramifications for you stepping into your truth, owning your body and freeing the shame? Yes. So although it's been very hard, like I'm not going to lie and say, it's all great and blissful. Like it's really shitty half <laughs> the time. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, just my job, like my career, I feel like I'm finally taking off yeah. and I don't feel stuck. And I'm meeting new people. Like I believe the universe brings, you know, people to you at the right time. And there's been some crazy things that have happened over the last month of um, just having these conversations. I have two new friends who are going through the exact same thing wow. and coming from very similar backgrounds. And so just to have that naturally come in is like 
just validation that we're on the right path and that we're not crazy. Like this is a real thing that other people need to hear and need to connect with. Yeah. I've been talking to a lot of women lately who have been making radical changes like this and feel very alone as I'm sure you felt over those three years where you really started questioning, but really not making changes, right? And that period of time must have felt so isolating and lonely. And I think it's important to touch on this because there's always someone who's going through the same thing, right? It's just a matter of reflecting on it, meditating on it, you know, being open to the universe and reaching out to find those people. Yeah. Um, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think being vulnerable too of like, and this is what I'm talking about with one of my girlfriends who's going through it of like, do we, are we supposed to be sharing this? Is this mm-hmm. our own thing? Like, what do we do with this information? Yeah. And I do think that because it isn't a common thing that people are talking about, like I said, I feel like there's, you know, you either fit into a religion or you don't believe anything. Yeah. And there's not a lot of middle space or gray. And so I think it's needed in the world for people to talk about these experiences, even though it's terrifying. Because, like you said, there are people going through it, but they hear it. So, absolutely. I was, as you know, I'm working through an alcohol free experiment. And I was talking to my coach about it in the early days because it was feeling very, solitary, right? It was feeling very lonely. And it felt like a new wound, like a new, fresh, raw scraper cut, like a kind of a deep cut. And I was talking to my coach, being someone who is so vocal, and I love expressing my stories and sharing my insights. And and I really do like in the in the moment, you know, like, hey, watch me walk through this. For some reason, this didn't feel like appropriate, right? Or it just didn't feel right on my heart. Right. And my coach helped me realize that sometimes wounds need to scab over a bit before before we start talking about it. And so I love that you're being vulnerable and also questioning like the the timing of it for yourself. Yeah. You're protecting yourself. I like that too, because it's messy when you're in it. And so sometimes you can't even articulate fully what you need to until, like you said, it's healed or scabbed over. Yeah. I like that analogy. It's good. I'm reading a book right now by Martha Beck called The Way of Integrity. Have you heard? I've of heard Martha? of it. That's on and, my list. And, okay. And have you heard of Martha Beck at all? A little bit. Okay. So well, she has another book called, um, she has another book called Leaving the Saints, which I have not read. So I'm not like, super recommending it, but it's all about leaving the Mormon church. And so it's a brave, brave, brave book. It's just like what you're doing here. It's a brave, brave, brave conversation that people have gone through. Unfortunately, they just don't talk about it. So when other people go through, it's like, oh, I'm the first. You're not the first. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like mental health. You and I are both on the mental health train. Like let's normalize. We are not glamorizing because it ain't pretty. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh gosh. It really just drives me crazy. People think that by talking about it and owning it, it's glamorizing it. And I've seen a lot of that in the church too. 
And that was another thing, just bring back religion into this. Um, I struggle. I mean, I went through a lot in my household a little bit and like therapy was not a thing. Like you talk to your pastor. Oh, heck no. I get that. It Mm -hmm. was like devilish to go to anyone outside of the Mm -hmm. church. And, and I talk to people, but they're not licensed psychologists. Like, Mm -hmm. like we, there are certain things, you know, that you need to go see a professional, not just someone volunteering their time. And so, yeah, that was a big thing for me too, of like, this is not okay. And God made psychologists. God made all these people. Like, let's not be dumb and let's use the tools God gave us. And I don't know why people can't, I don't know. They don't think that way, I guess. Right. I um, have an experience uh, similar to yours. I've actually never shared publicly. So I grew up Catholic. So uh, I would say we have a very similar upbringing. Um, I followed that good girl title and rules. I stayed in line for a really long time. And when I was at Conzega, which is a Jesuit Catholic college, and I got pregnant, it was like nobody knew what to do, right? Because it was so outside of the rules, the rules of the church, right? And I had family members who I looked up to call me and let me know I should get an abortion. Wow. And that was the moment for me that it dawned on me that it's so we need to be Catholic. Everybody needs to be Catholic and we're going to judge people for doing the wrong thing until it's us. Right. And then when it's us, we're going to do what we need to do (laughs) to look good. Protect the image, mm-hmm. look like the good Christians. Oh my gosh, it's wild! It was wild, and and I think that God wouldn't have put that situation in my place had He not wanted me to just like consider something. Right, it's an opportunity to not judge anyone, but to reflect on myself in my relationship. That's good. It was good, and I also can really. Um, hold compassion for the loneliness that you felt because that was a very, um, you do not talk about that. <laughs> yes. Yes. You do not talk about, you know, the like 65 year old priest walking me to my prenatal appointments was like mortifying enough in Italy. Cause I was like in Florence. Yeah. You know, wow. they don't really, they didn't really have prenatal vitamins. So I was on his Centrum silver. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's crazy. Oh yeah, but it was like, look, we're not telling anyone. We're going to, you know, keep this all under wraps. And yep. and it all worked out, but it really made me question. And I think as a curious like student of life, if we're not questioning something, we're not moving forward. Right. And I love that. And what I've been trying to sink into is this idea of, like maybe there isn't right or wrong in terms of like making a decision, but rather just an opportunity, kind of like you said, to be curious about it and just kind of move through it, take a direction. If it doesn't work out, you're going to go a different direction and just being curious. And, and I get why people think more black and white because it's safer. It's a lot easier to just have a rule book or, not be open-minded or curious to things because it can be scary, but I just, there, there's so much more to life than what we can even comprehend. Mm -hmm. And so we'll never know the answers until we're dead and gone. 
So what's the point of trying to have it all figured out? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've been noticing your brand shifting. And I'm sure everybody who follows Demery Rayan has noticing your brand shifting. Here's what I'm noticing. I'm noticing a woman who is stepping into her body. I'm noticing more bold images. I'm noticing more um, body positivity and inclusivity. And I'm also noticing, I don't know if this is the right word, but a little risque, right? (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about this shift. Tell me about your brand changes and where where you're moving your business. Because you just said your career is really taking off. And I'm curious, is a reflection of this brand transformation? Yeah. Yes. So I actually had a friend, she's a photographer, and she kind of called me out not too long ago. Oh, and, I love those friends. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> and at first I was like, whoa, okay. But she was so right. And she basically was saying like, you know, sometimes I feel like you're kind of a hypocrite. Like, you are empowering people. You you write about all these wonderful things. You're empowering mm-hmm. people. You want people to be their unique self, yeah. but you don't always do that. Like you're not always you're not confident in who you are. And it's <laughs> like, oh shit, okay. Yeah. But I looked in the mirror and I said, "You're right." Like, and we're all. I think we're all hypocrite. And like, I just have that belief. If we're all hypocritical, and that's how it is. Mm-hmm. But. I was like, I can't sell something if I'm not living it and, or at least pushing myself to be in that mm-hmm. space too. Mm-hmm. And so we did that shoot. I showed off some side boob a lot and it was great. It was empowering. And, and it's, I kind of am in the space of like an angry feminist. Like I mm-hmm. have so much compassion now and understand why people have to get angry. Mm-hmm. to make a change sometimes and it's almost like it sounds maybe terrible but like an f you to everyone who's mm-hmm. pressed me and it's like i'm taking my body back is yeah. it? and i wrote this in my journal the other day i am so angry that these men and these people took my body from me and i'm ready for it back and that is what i'm doing and in turn, I want to empower other women and business owners to take back their power and to own who they are, to not be afraid to show that to the world and to also kind of say F you to anyone who did not allow them to be who they were meant to be, who God meant to, you know, created them to be. Absolutely. You took back your power and you just want to empower women to own who they are. I was on a coaching call a couple of days ago. And my client said, Maddie, I just want to be authentic. And it was, she was desperate for authenticity and didn't even know where to start. She also made the comment, um, I can get along with everyone mm-hmm. because, because I'm a chameleon. Yeah. And she says, every time I do that, I lose a piece of me. Yeah. So you mentioned, speaking of losing a piece of me, you mentioned that these men took your body from you. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to tell us about those experiences? Yeah. Yeah. And this is not something I've shared publicly yet, but it's been enough time to where I've healed and moved forward from it. Um, and I feel like it's something I do need to share because someone else might need to hear it. But um, there have been three major experiences in my life 
And I reacted the same way in all of those situations at different ages. And I can talk about that a little more later. But the first one was in high school with one of my good guy friends. Same friend group since we were young, very young. And we had I went over to his house, we jumped in the lake, and I went to go take a shower to like rinse off. And then he came into the bathroom and came into the shower with me. And he, you know, you can imagine what he was trying to do from there. And I yelled at him, I pushed him off. Finally, I got out. And instead of like leaving, I stayed and I was just silent. And I was like, what did I do wrong? Should I not have came? I was in a swimsuit. Did I give him the wrong impression? And and I just acted like everything was normal. Like he got out. We just like watched the TV for a second. And then finally I like came to like 30 minutes later. And I was like, I have to go. And I just, I left. And that was the first time something like that had happened. Did you tell anybody at that? Did you, did you tell anyone? No, I didn't tell anyone. Because you felt what? I felt like they would have said, well, you went there alone. You went swimming with him. There was no one else, you know? Yeah. And... What'd you expect, Emery? Yes. What would you expect? And wow. and what he had said to me was, well, you gave me the wrong signals. Like, I thought you were... I thought you were giving off these vibes and I had not at all, but I started questioning it. And so I stayed silent. I actually, that was not the first time I said that in the wrong order. So my first experience was actually, I was in sixth grade. I was very young and I was very innocent. I didn't really know what anything was back then. I was (laughs) very innocent. And I was at my friend's house and she had an older brother and him and his friends gave us beer. And I think I had like one sip of it. And I was like, okay, I didn't know what to do. I hadn't really had these conversations with my parents Mm -hmm. uh, because they just trusted that I was good. So there's no dialogue around this type of situation. And Mm -hmm. we sat down to watch a movie and her older brother kind of had his arm around me. So he's kind of holding me down on the couch and just stuck his hand down my pants. And and my friend was there watching and didn't really say, I was like, this is, I didn't, I froze again. I froze. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. Is this, did I, you know, did I give off the wrong vibes again? And then it stopped. And then I, we just went on like it was normal. No one talked about it. I didn't tell anyone about that either. Um, because I I just assumed that I must have done something wrong or because I took a sip of beer or because yeah, I didn't yeah. get up off the couch. Right. And that was me giving consent, even though I did not at all. Right. Silence but, was silence was perceived as consent. Yes. Wow. Unfortunately. Right. So those were the two when I was younger. And then the most recent happened right before everything shut down okay early 2020 or yeah early 2020 and that's when I first started this journey of getting out and dating and learning more about what I wanted what I believed and 
met this guy on a dating app. We went out on a date. It went really well. So we went out again and we were drinking and we got pretty drunk. We were going to a concert and I was staying in a hotel. So I didn't have to drive back to my hometown. And he followed me there, which was not the plan. And I had told him we had multiple conversations before that, that nothing was going to happen. Went up to my hotel room. He's like, I'm just going to walk you to the door. Like, I'm just walking you back, making sure you get there okay. I was like, okay. And I kept saying, I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do anything over and over again. And I got to my door. He walked in, closed the door. And um, he essentially kept trying to take my clothes off. And I kept saying, no, no, no. And he didn't listen. And luckily, eventually, I was able to push him off of me. And it stopped. But I also stayed. I was just numb again. Same thing. I shut down. I fell asleep. I went to bed. And the next morning, he like, took me out to breakfast. And I just like went along with it. And I was like, okay. And I was... I think I was just trying to normalize it. Like maybe there was a miscommunication. Maybe this didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to believe that. And mm-hmm. went to breakfast with him, drove home after. And I just broke down. And I just... And I blamed myself for a long time until recently. Of like, I shouldn't have drank. I shouldn't have gotten drunk. Um, I you know, should have had someone pick me up instead of getting a hotel room. And I just, I blamed myself for a really long time until probably a couple months ago. Yeah. I was like, that was not my fault. And moving through that has been difficult. Oh, I'm so sorry that you have gone through all of that. And I'm, it breaks my heart that you didn't have anybody to break your silence to. Yeah. That breaks my heart. And what you're doing right now feels like an invitation for women who are still harboring their silence to break it. Yeah, definitely. An invitation to have these conversations that that I would imagine feel very shameful. Yep. And as Brittany Brown says, you know, shame can't really go anywhere until we start talking about it. Yes. Yes. So... Can I ask you have, if you have any, because as you're talking to them, I'm thinking of my daughter, right? And I'm thinking, um, I haven't had an experience like that recently, right? And also I'm thinking, she's not going to really listen if I tell her, you know, it's, right. it's different coming from someone else. Yeah. What would you tell, what would you tell a young woman, you know, who was, who's in sixth grade and the older brother? puts the arm around them. Yeah. What would you tell her? Oh my gosh. That they did nothing wrong. That they did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And if they're feeling like they're in an uncomfortable situation and it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. And to speak up. And even though that's scary, mm-hmm. that I don't I think it's more to maybe I want to talk more to parents. I'm kind of going yeah. off of your question. No, I love it. Because I think it starts young. I think it starts younger. And and obviously there's like age appropriate things to talk to yep. different grades, but just like we need to empower our girls yeah. from a very young age because 
I was not empowered. I was scared. Mm-hmm. I was a good girl and made all these good decisions, but I was in the situation and I felt stuck. And so we need to empower our girls and empower, empower them to do what? To say, to speak up? To have a voice, have and, a voice. and to know their body. Um, mm-hmm. I might sound weird, but, and my mom did a great job, like young. We mm-hmm. read all the books. We did all the things. Mm-hmm. But especially dads, I think having dads empower girls too and having open dialogue is so important. And um, just knowing your body. Like I didn't know my body. I was taught that exploring that is a different topic, but mm-hmm. and that was sinful and shameful. Yeah. So I just didn't know my body. I couldn't even look at my body in the mirror without feeling like it was dirty or... Mm-hmm a temptation and yeah. and I had also I got boots before everyone else. Yeah. I was curvy and I looked older. Yeah. And I don't think I ever had conversations, you know, with adults of like like I got shamed. Like in school. Oh gosh, I really hate the school. But the whole uh spaghetti straps and the dress codes, right? Mm-hmm. And so me and my friends shopped the same exact places. We all like to like twin wear the same mm-hmm. you know, American Eagle yeah. t-shirt. Yeah. And it was tighter on me because I had boobs and they didn't. They were small and skinny and or the same shorts. And mine were just a little bit shorter because I had a booty. Uh-huh. <laughs> it raised it up a bit. And mm-hmm. I remember going to the principal's office because I had these shorts on. And I said, oh, well, like these girls have the same ones on. We bought them together. Yeah. And I was just shamed and, you know, that was inappropriate. And I got these messages, you know, I was, I looked slutty and all of these things. And so just, I don't know, I guess going back to just empowering girls that their body's not dirty. It's not bad. It's normal to have curves and that does not warrant anyone to touch you or to do anything to you just because, you know, any of those things. So absolutely. And yeah, Brene Brown talks about values a lot and aligning your values with your actions. And as you were speaking and you're talking a lot about girls, but I think, and I think it's important to bring our little boys into these conversations as well. And a story popped into mind where I violated a value of mine when we were in Spain for soccer And we were out drinking one night and we ended up closing up the restaurant with the patron, with the owner. And she was probably in her seventies and she was this boisterous, amazing Italian woman who had a Spanish restaurant in Spain and everybody's sitting around and drinking and she's smoking her cigarettes in her restaurant. And as soon as we went to leave, she grabbed Xavier for some kisses, cheek kisses. And immediately his eyes filled up with tears. And Tom and I did nothing to stop. And that is an example of complacency. That, that's an example of, oh, I owe oh, my parents don't have my back. Right. So I think that I, I did ask the question incorrectly. It's not what would you tell the sixth grader, which after the fact, yes, we tell her she's perfect and worthy. Absolutely. And it wasn't your fault. But the better question, as you help me see, is how do we educate our parents? Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. And I too, yeah, I mean, also our, our parents don't know what they don't know. And I, you know, generations were learning as we go, but I just don't think these conversations were really had as much. Yeah. Back, you know, when my grandparents were alive, like, and so yeah. it's, it's okay. Like, it's okay to, me- we're all going to mess up as parents. Right. So it's okay. But now is the time to start educating ourselves, yeah. having these honest conversations. And like, you just admitted something that you learned from and with, you know, your son and moving forward from that. And mm-hmm. that's what it's about. So, yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, I can recall a conversation in a bowling alley. I know exactly where we were. It was with a soccer team and we weren't playing soccer. Obviously we we're bowling. And so some of the girls were dressed one way. So, you know, everybody was dressed in their own style. And one of the girls had her spaghetti straps and her crop top and her short shorts. And she looked cute. She looked like she was confident and just leaning into herself. And, you know, all the moms sit back and talk. And one of the moms was sitting there shaming her. And all I said was, I think she looks great. And I don't think that was enough. I think this conversation with between you and I right now is helping me realize that I can elevate my support of girls when I hear a mother say something, right? right? Yeah. I mean, this kind of is really timely with the Olympics, the volleyball, the volleyball team. Yes. yes. And did you hear that Pink paid their fine? I just saw that. Yeah. Yes. I was like, that is exactly what we're talking about. Yep. So, okay. I want to ask a question that, so you're, if you go on your website, it feels very sensual. It feels very real. I wonder, have you gotten any pushback from the sexuality piece and then the good girl piece? Has anybody given you pushback on this transformation to, to show the female body really? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I've gotten a lot of pushback for other things um, from white religious men um, when I've spoken out more about changing my belief system. And I love the LGBTQ community. I'm very vocal about that. So that I've had some issues with when I've been transitioning. But when it comes to sensuality and all of that, people have not spoken to my face. It's more they're talking to each other and it's more of like, is she okay? Like, is she going through something? We need to pray for her. Like, it's this feeling of like, there's something wrong with me and they are like worried. And which I, it's comical to me because I'm like, I'm actually doing great. I'm like freeing myself from these chains. But so it's interesting. I think that's kind of, it's like people are concerned or feel like they just need to pray for me and that I'm lost. I'm I'm lost. And now the question may be, the answer may be no, but would you rather these people who are critical of you without conversation actually attempt to have a conversation? Yes, Mm -hmm. uh, I would. And that is something I am very clear about in my own brand. Like I love to talk about real things and Mm -hmm. share experiences but I'm also a believer that we're supposed to believe different things. And that's okay too. It's okay if we don't always agree, but we need to be having honest conversations and come and meet each other in the middle and have respect. 
and open our eyes. And so, yes, I would love that. Sadly, I don't think it always, in my experience, when Mm -hmm. I have tried to have Mm -hmm. these open conversations specifically with Christians and not to call it Christianity, again, there's beautiful things to it, but um, they want to change me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they are coming at it as like, okay, let's have an honest conversation, but then I'm going to share Bible verses and tell you why that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And that is not what I want because I don't believe in that. And so, yes, if people can have an open conversation, if not, then I think it's better just to don't follow me if it triggers you. If if it's bringing negativity, just like, you know. And I think also to know that, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but you would be receptive and open when someone's ready to come back and listen. Yes. Oh my gosh. Definitely. Because um, like, you know, what is it like the, t- the student appears when the teacher, like the teacher appears when the student's ready. Isn't that the same? Yes. Yes. And so yeah. this conversation might not do much, but it might just put the bug in someone's ear who has a daughter or has, has a gay son or has, notice these conversations and isn't isn't willing to listen yet right and now they know the conversations are being had yeah and so if they do become curious then they can come back yeah and i want people to know too like i i've been on both sides of it like i've been in a space where my mind is so religious and so one way and I've always like supported the LGBTQ community, all, all of these things, but, but I get it. Like I know where they're coming from yeah. and I, I understand it. Even. Yeah. I, I know what Bible verse they're getting that belief from. I, right. I get it. And so I don't know. I hope that helps people to come to me too. Of Like I, I, I understand I'm not judging you for living in that space, but I hope we can grow together. Right. And yeah, absolutely. You know, my parallel is going through the alcohol experiment right now. So when someone looks at me like, um, oh my God, we're at a brewery. Why aren't you having a beer? I was that person right. four months ago. And so I can have complete understanding and compassion for our differences in where we're at in life right now. Yep. Because I completely know how it feels to not understand why someone isn't making a decision, a choice to drink alcohol at a brewery or whatever. It doesn't matter. For sure. And that's like humbling ourselves too. Like I said, we're all hypocrites. (laughs) We all like, you know, and just humbling ourselves that it's not about having the right answer. It's Mm -hmm. just about listening to each other and having empathy. Mm -hmm. I don't believe our world has enough empathy and listening to each other's experiences yeah. while understanding like how I see the world mm-hmm. and how the world sees me is totally different than you. Like your worldly experience is going to be completely different. And that is beautiful. That's not a bad thing. So, And we can learn so much from each other. Oh my gosh. Yes. And grow and change our beliefs too. Right. I think like, people are scared to do that and they feel like they're stuck in one way and and you don't have to be, you can change and then you can go back. Like, it's okay. You, It's all okay. It is all okay. Literally my last podcast was on this. Like at what point in our life did we stop like trying new things 
And then like, oh, you try basketball and then you're like really bad and hate it. And then you quit. And there's no judgment. There's no shame. There's no like, holy crap. 10-year-old Emery just quit basketball. What is wrong with her? Yes. I don't know why we do that. I don't know why we're programmed to be that as a bad thing. You are so right. Right. Okay. So I want to hear a couple... I have like two more questions. I want to hear what advice you would give to the woman who you were three years ago. So the woman who was confused, who was lonely, who was questioning a lot in her world, her body, her religion, had a lot of... I wonder if confidence was a bit lower. Yes. Yeah. And didn't know what to do with all that. Yeah. I would say, and this is maybe very bad advice, there, <laughs> <laughs> like there's nothing I can really say. Like at the end of the day, it's very hard. Like it is a very hard season to go through, but you will come out of it Look, with so much freedom. It is so freeing and that outweighs all of the negatives. So you're going to feel confused. You're going to feel like you're crazy, like you're wrong and all of these things, but you will feel free. Mm -hmm. And that is what you have to hold on to is this feeling of freedom and, and viewing it as you're releasing, you're releasing a lot and, and having grace for ourselves too. And my therapist has taught me if I'm reprogramming my brain from years and years of thinking, and that takes work and it takes time and just having that mindset, I think helps of like, I'm not crazy. I'm just reprogramming my brain and it's a little cleaner that way. Um, and writing, writing out is like a practical thing to do. Journal about it. Um, you can look back. And seek help. Like you can't do it alone. I did it alone for way too long. It held me back for way too long. And I'm I'm still trying to get out of like this depressive funk because of it. And so seek help. And last piece of advice, share with the right people. Mm -hmm. Kind of they might not go hand in hand, but I think for so long I was trying to share these experiences with people who were not there. They hadn't earned your trust. They hadn't earned the right for your vulnerability. Yes. And and they were still in that world too. Like I was trying to have these open spiritual conversations with people who did not ever want to leave their box. Yeah. And so being able to say, okay, I need to find these people. And Instagram, like there's good things about social media, like following accounts uh, and DMing them just yeah. like messaging people and it's scary at first but once you start doing it it's so much easier and mm-hmm. yeah so find the right people to talk to i think that is such brilliant advice because like as we've been mentioning this whole entire conversation is yes you feel alone that's the absolute truth it's your truth and someone else is alone feeling the same thing yeah exactly we can find them we can find each other yes And one last thing on that, what I was always taught is that if something was for me, God would bring it to me. Like God would speak it directly to me. And if not, then I should not go out and seek it. And so I was just 
like waiting. Like I'm so unhappy, but I'm waiting for God to bring it to me. And it never happened because we need to seek things. And so also owning that too. Sometimes we have to go out and find those people and God is not always going to drop them into our lap. Yeah. I love that someone recently mentioned the thought of co-creating with the universe. So, and like, you know, we call the universe God or spirituality, but we also have a responsibility. We're co-creating. We're part of this. And so we have a duty to take action along with the universe, God, spirituality. Yep. I love that. That's so good. And yeah. And like I said earlier, we are God. And I, that's a very controversial statement to some people. But like, I, I think if you start viewing yourself as that, it gives you more freedom and power to go out and live your life. And I said that the other day, I'm like, I just want to live my freaking life. Yeah. I'm so done just like waiting and sitting and feeling shame or overthinking. Mm-hmm. Like we just need to live our lives and be who we are and give that to the world. The yeah. world needs that. The world totally needs it. I mean, that's exactly why I created my true to you course, which you were the photographer for the culmination of that. Just really helping women figure out who the hell they are, settle into their authenticity, and then start moving forward with vulnerability as well. And confidence, right? Once you figure out who you really are, what you really believe, or you know you're on the path of discovery, oof, the confidence just soars. That's the good stuff. Definitely. Right. So tell me, you you had a lot of things that you were excited to share with the community. A lot of things you were excited to like kind of bust the top out of, off of and blow things up. What did we miss? What question did I miss in this interview? Oh my goodness. I feel like we covered a lot of things. We did. Um, but just that your body is not bad and we just, we have to stop. There's two sides to it. Like we are sensual beings. And that is beautiful. And the universe created it to be that way. And also, we need to stop hypersexualizing the woman's body. And it makes me so sad that I know I'm not alone in feeling like because I had boobs, I am <laughs> this terrible human. And we have to, like the church, Christians, we have to stop preaching that message because it's creating just a lot of a lot of hurt and pain and confusion and bad mm-hmm. situations. So our bodies are good. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I as I always end the podcast, I ask a question. I ask, what does living on purpose mean to you? But I'm gonna throw you a curveball if <laughs> if, if only if you're up for it. Yes. Yeah. Can you tell me a recent time where you have been living on purpose? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it's reaching, finding people, reaching out and having these open conversations. So I've learned what I've learned about myself. I'm way better at being vulnerable and open to big crowds or online. Like I would rather speak to 500 people naked and share my story than have to sit down with one person and be open and vulnerable with them. Wow. It terrifies me. And so I've, realized a 
that about myself and how that can be unhealthy because we need those one-on-one interactions mm-hmm. and close friendships. Yeah. And so I've been trying to let people in again, but the right people, like I talked about. And I reached out to someone from my past who I'd never met a person. We had emails when he was in Asia, like mm-hmm. four years ago. And at that time, we were both working in ministry. And I've always kind of had him in the back of my mind. Of like, I wonder what he believes now, what he's doing. He's a writer. And I felt the need to just reach out to him and say, hey, like, let's have a conversation. How are you doing? And we ended up meeting over FaceTime and talking about all these things. And we're both deconstructing our faith. And it freaked me out, though. I cried for like four days after because it was so horrible. And I was terrified. But if I felt so seen. And it's because I put myself out there and because I reached out to someone and I chose to say all these things to a stranger, essentially, that I knew had the same questions. And that I was like, I need more of that. We all need more of that. And so, yeah. That was oh my God, that's an amazing experience. <laughs> that is an amazing story of truly, truly living on purpose because the opposite of living on purpose in my in my definition is living by default and default would have been to keep him in the back of your mind, tucked away, always curious, but I'm not going to do anything. Living on purpose is reaching out and taking that step. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so scared and awkward. But it was so good. Totally. Oh, Demery, this has been such a gift. You are a gift. This podcast episode has been a gift. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I just want everybody to know that um, all the links in the show notes to get in touch with Demery will be there. And so you can reach out, follow her on Instagram, any any other places they should uh, find you. I hang out on Instagram a lot. So okay. come hang out with us. Uh, and my website, demerygrandphoto.com. Okay. But Instagram's the main, the main hangout. Yeah. Perfect. Shoot them a DM and start a conversation. Yes, I love DMing people. So cool. You rock, Demery. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Monty. This was so fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Living on Purpose podcast. It has been a blast hanging out with you. If you love this week's episode, please hit that subscribe button. That way you won't miss any future goodness we throw your way. Craving community and connection with like-minded badass women? Feel free to join us in the Living on Purpose Facebook group. And of course, the best gift that you could possibly give is an honest review on iTunes. All right, that's it. Until next time, always keep living on purpose.